Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the no-fluff, actionable marketing podcast for people sick of marketing bullshit. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. After four years, 175 episodes recorded, 9,625 minutes of no-bullshit content published, and 1 million plus downloads reached, I felt it was time to shake things up a bit. You see, I want to help you radically stand out because I firmly believe it's the only way for you to succeed without marketing bullshit. So moving forward, each episode is going to be around 20 minutes long. Each episode is going to be super practical where I'm going to teach you one way to radically stand out that you can apply to your business today. I'm going to use snippets of past interviews, the lessons I've learned from my own experience and plenty of concrete examples. Oh, and one last thing. I'm also turning each of those episodes into the only newsletter focusing on differentiation and positioning so you can read at your own pace and remember the concept I'm teaching. If it's of interest, I hope you'll sign up today on everyonehatesmarketers.com. I'll also notify you when I launch new stuff and products and you can win rewards for referring other mavericks to the newsletter, like branded cups and t-shirts and posters and private group coaching and plenty of other nice little surprises. All right, on to the podcast. While working at my first full-time marketing job at a startup back in 2015, I became obsessed with companies sharing their results in public. I'm thinking of companies like Basecamp or Bearmetrics or Buffer, and yeah, they all start with a B, mostly tech companies. And I was so into it because to me, that was such a crazy new way to actually differentiate your company by going all the way to the edge of the map, by doing something that no other companies were willing to do. So I was so into it, in fact, that I did the same when I launched my first marketing agency. Every month, we would share results in public. And I'm laughing a, a bit uh, to myself now because five years on, five years later, I'm rereading those updates and I cringe. I cringe because we might have shared our results. We've also shown a lot of incompetence while sharing those results and they actually kind of backfired. Here is an example of a report. Monthly update and income report, November 2016. Well, October was tough, but November was even tougher. This isn't a complaint. I'm just staring the hard truth in the face. Does it mean that it's the beginning of the end? Hell no. It just means that we need to keep fighting and reinvent ourselves. Nothing has changed since last month. We are still four in the team. And then I, was, I would be sharing growth profits. Uh, so for example, in November 2016, we, we lost 9,286 euros. And then I say, we knew that October, November, December would be bad months. We stopped working with some clients to focus on our best clients. And it took us longer than expected to secure new clients. We had a good cash reserve, but it's starting to dry up. And then I'm also sharing expenses. Expenses for the months of November 2016, 12,024 euros. I could keep going, uh, but you can almost anticipate what happened a few months after where I had to stop this agency because I wasn't working and I was kind of burning out and it wasn't the thing for me. So it actually backfired um, a few times when we had clients who checked out our blog and saw how much we were making. And at the time I was trying to raise my prices and we were making well less than what we were asking from them. And so we got challenged a few times uh, before. But, and this is a big, big but, this is the way not to do it and the way not to do radical transparency. 
and uh, I'm going to share with you how to do it, why it's so important, and the, the framework to, to use it to your advantage. Let's start with the obvious. There is so much bragging, whatever your industry, so much bragging, so much bullshit, so much clutter, so much nonsense. How do you even differentiate yourself, right? It's difficult. You might have an undifferentiated product, you know, quote unquote, boring industry. Everyone is bragging. Everyone will be seen as perfect, the perfect company with the perfect success stories, the perfect track record. So what do we do as humans? We brag, we cheat, we lie. We might even buy fake reviews. We use bullshit language to hide what things really mean. Just nonsense, right? Everyone is making shit up. Here is an example in the beauty industry from Jonathan Salem Baskin, who's the author of Tell the Truth and a B2B marketing advisor for Nissan, Apple or Blockbuster. Talk about crazy promises, right? Uh, you know, your, your average, especially on, even on the even low end, but especially high end women's cosmetics, they literally promise they'll reverse the flow of time or they will generate new skin or they will. I mean, it, it's it's amazing the nonsense that gets put in the marketing and branding for those products. And to a T, you ask a woman, ask your fiance, my wife, you ask them, do they think it's any of it's true? And their answer is, well, no. But on the off chance, it might help. Or what else am I going to do? Another example of how that materializes is all of this bullshit, all of the, the bragging and the lying and all of that is in the way we use certain words and the language we use to hide certain things and the way we, we kind of treat people badly. This is what DHH had to say. He's the founder of Basecamp. But now we are at a time where we have to invent new words to describe something so simple, or we have to monetize, right? I just hate that word. And monetization encapsulates everything that is rotten about this new technology-driven approach to business, because it pretends to make something that is so simple seem so complicated. And of course, it's only complicated because people have something to hide that they have something that's not quite above board in many cases, right? Like, what are we monetizing? We're monetizing eyeballs. We're monetizing privacy. We're monetizing all these things that if you just told people, like, what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah, I sell people's privacy to uh, the highest bidder in a uh, bidding system, right? That wouldn't sound very nice. It sounds much better to say, oh, I am monetizing uh, social communication and connecting people. This is, this is the language of bullshit that we need um, to describe the unsavory. When you have something that is just simple and savory, that you're selling a good product that helps people directly and you sell it for a fair price, you just don't need that vocabulary. Right, so at this point, you agree with me. Everyone is kind of lying. Everyone is bullshitting each other. Everyone is faking case studies and good results because everyone want to be seen as the, the perfect choice for you. And it's so difficult to get new customers that it's a race to the bottom for attention and everyone is lying. And to be clear, I don't blame you, right? If you're listening to this episode right now and you have to do what I'm describing above, if you have, you feel like you have to lie, to cheat and to like round off the edges and, and make things seem slightly better than they actually are and, and, and because everyone else is doing it, I don't blame you. I understand the pressure. I understand the pressure you're under. You need to make sales. You need to generate new customers. You need to generate demand. You need to please your boss. You need to please the board. You need to make ends meet. I completely get that. And Paul Meller, the founder of the British advertising agency, uh, Mellon Smith, has that to say about this situation. 
you know, these marketers, especially when you get to sort of CMO or VP of marketing, are earning pretty good wages by this point. You know, they've probably got a mortgage, probably even a second mortgage, you know, on that second holiday home. They've got kids in private school. It's a lot to lose by making a wrong step. So I understand that there's a hesitancy to go against the grain and it's much easier to sit in the you know the crowded group where everyone's exactly the same where you don't really stand out but no one ever got sacked for not standing out so what do you do instead it's it's all about radical fucking transparency it's all about admitting your flaws being transparent staying on truth and it's just not my point of view there is scientific facts and study around this and it's a very nice psychological effect called the Prattfall effect and Richard Shotton a behavioral psychologist and the author of The Choice Factory explains what that is. So the Prattfall effect was an idea that was first discussed by Elliot Aronson, so professor of psychology at Harvard in the 60s. And it's the idea that if you admit a weakness or you exhibit a flaw, you become more appealing. So it's quite a counterintuitive one. And what Aronson did in 1966 with his colleague, um, I think it was Floyd, Floyd and Willeman, his colleagues, he recruited some to take part in a quiz. He gave that contestant the answers to the quiz. So the guy does amazingly well, gets 92% of the questions right and wins the quiz by miles. But then as the contestant is finishing, he makes what Americans will call a pratfall, a small blunder. He stands up and he spills a cup of coffee down himself. So Aronson takes that recording and he plays it to participants in his experiment in one of two ways. Either they hear the entire episode or they just hear the great quiz performance. And then Aronson asks everyone, how appealing do you find this guy? And people find the contestant, when they've heard the mistake, significantly more appealing. So as I said, Aronson calls it a pratfall effect and argues that people and products who exhibit a flaw become more appealing. Very interesting psychological uh, effect. This is, this is one that I'm a big fan of because it's such a nice way to actually radically differentiate from the rest of your competitors by simply telling the truth, by simply staying on truth, by simply being transparent. Another way this Prattfall effect materializes is for reviews online. And again, you might think that five-star reviews all around are actually the most, uh, the highest thing you can try to get, but it's not true. Uh, here is Richard Shotton again with another scientific study on that concept. One of the very well-studied areas by Northwestern University was about applying this tactic on your reviews. So Northwestern University, they're saying 2015, they scraped 111,000 product reviews and they graphed them up showing the likely, so the, the number of the review, the kind of rating the review from one to five, five being brilliant, one being awful, and then the likelihood to purchase. And what they found was that for every one of the 22 categories they looked at, as the product review gets better, likelihood to purchase increases until it hits a tipping point. So somewhere between 4.2 and 4.4 out of five. And then after that point, if the review gets any better, then likelihood to purchase declines. So they argued perfection was not trusted. It was seen as too good to be true. So consumers didn't trust perfection. So if you are running uh, a brand, whatever size, if you have negative reviews, don't be ashamed of them. You know, don't be one of these websites that just put up the perfect reviews. Put some of the poor ones up and explain why maybe they had a poor service in that very rare individual case. Let me give you a few examples of how companies have used that to their advantage and a few examples to kind of illustrate this effect very well. 
The first example is a snippet of a conversation I had with David Darman, the co-founder of Hotjar. Just pay attention to the way he described his journey at Hotjar and building it. Yeah, I'd say one thing which is important to share, especially for anyone who's kind of who wants to be an entrepreneur, is when we were starting off and building Hotjar, we honestly really had no clue what we were doing. So we figured out so many things later on. So I, I kind of want to share this and I don't get to mention that much on, on interviews because everyone, typically interv people interviewing me are kind of, they're focused on trying to make me look good for some reason, but I think it's more interesting to focus on what have we learned. So we really had no clue what we were doing. But I would say just because we focused on what was important, so our users and, and value creation, things just kind of settled themselves out, right? We figured things out. So as opposed to maybe if we try to design success or kind of force it, then if, if you fail, then success kind of fails you, right? So, so I'd say that that's the biggest takeaway. Interesting, isn't it? The way he's talking about the fact that they figured so many things later on, the fact that it's not something typically mentioned. People are not typically interested in, in uh, quote unquote, the failures or the learnings, but he's more than willing to share that openly. And boom, straight away, it's much easier to trust him, isn't it? That's the prattful effect in action. He's not saying he's incompetent. He has plenty of experience that is something he shared throughout the interview. But yet, by just being honest and saying the truth, quite simply, you're much more likely to trust him. There are a lot of examples in ads over the years. You might have heard of the Guinness example where they say that good things come to those who, who, who wait. And that's a, a very nice way to explain that if you want to pour Guinness in a glass, it takes a bit of time. There's a process behind it. But it implies as well that because it takes a long time, it must be, it must be good, right? There must be a reason for that. Another example in the ad is Listerine, which is the, the mouthwatch product, which says that it's a bad taste twice a day. And again, in a similar thing, it implies that the bad taste is good for you in a sense. It's bad because it's good for you, good for your health. If it was tasting so nicely, they believe something wrong. How can it, you know, wash your mouth and remove all bacteria and, and then taste great? This might actually contradict each other. So that making their flows there. Another one is the Volkswagen ad campaign from 1959 that got awarded uh, like multiple awards and worked really well. They ran it for years and years. They said the latest uh, Volkswagen Beetle is ugly, but it gets you there. Again, you can see the, the contrast between the two and meeting their flaws. All of those campaigns that I've mentioned have been working really well because it goes against the grain. It takes risks for someone in an organization to be willing to say, yeah, let's go for that because admitting your flaws is not something that people are used to. There are also plenty of examples in modern day marketing in product reviews and testimonials. For example, CXL, which is a marketing training company, is running Facebook ads at the minute. And they said, that, for example, they quote someone who reviewed them who said, I had to watch at 0.25 speed to just understand the content and they are featuring that. They are admitting their flaw. It's not for everyone. It's complex content. It's complicated. It's not easy to watch. It's not something you can just watch on YouTube for five minutes. And they imply by admitting this flaw, they imply that it's much more in-depth than anything else out there. Another example in the same vein is Oatly, which is a milk made of oats, where they feature this, uh, this quote in one of the ads that says, this tastes like shit, blah beautiful way to to say yeah it's not for everyone if you're there for for it to taste exactly like comic it's not for you however if you're a vegan let's say and you're really into that then then it's for you final example on that is brewdog which is a, a chain of pubs and i'm gonna let richard shotton explain this one 
Uh, so I went to a Brewdog pub, and on the back of their T-shirts, they have comments from customers who came in and thought the uh, you know overpriced tosh or tasted awful. You know they've got comments from people who hated their product, and to me that shows an amazing confidence in what you have. You know you're not trying to appeal to everyone. And the other bit is, could you ever imagine you know an industrialised lager like Molson Coors or Fosters or or whoever? making that same same call it's uh it's amazing right so you can see examples are everywhere i also mentioned above uh, at the start of this episode tech companies sharing the numbers in public being transparent about their process there's also a huge movement at the time of this episode being recorded in 2021 of creators and founders and entrepreneurs sharing their numbers in public sharing what they've learned that also contributes to the Prattful effect where people will see them as imperfect human beings, but therefore will also trust them more. And my friend, this is a huge opportunity for you, wherever you are, whatever industry, whatever you're selling, because virtually all of the companies you're going to compete against are going to be way too fucking scared to go for this. They're going to challenge it internally. They're never going to approve something where they're going to admit their flaws and shed light on the negative. It's time to challenge your belief because step one is to challenge your belief. Challenge your belief because the opportunity is massive. You have a lot to lose if you're not going against the grain. You are facing obscurity. Simple. Think about what you're missing out on by not running this type of ads or not incorporating that in your marketing in some way, shape, or form. I officially give you my permission. My permission to fucking go for it. My permission to take some risk because no one else in your industry is doing it. The nice thing is that in most industries nowadays, because the competition is everywhere, most of your competitors are braggers. They are liars. They would remove all the negatives and just show you the positive. They would make up testimonials. They would try to be seen as perfect. That's just, that's just a psychological bias that is part of any company. Because again, internally, you don't want to risk losing your job by taking a risk like that. But again, I've showed you that it's not a risk. It's the opposite of a risk. Step two, ask your customers. That's a great wake-up call. Not only your customers, but also your employees, people you trust, people who are exposed to your company. Ask them questions like, do you think what you're saying is true? How true do you think what we're saying is? Uh, do you believe what we're saying? Be honest. Try to get unbiased feedback from people in your market. Do whatever it takes to get unbiased feedback. Whatever it is, usability test, messaging test, copy test. I don't really care. Get them on the phone, get them on a Zoom call, show them your page and ask them, be fucking brutal. Do you believe in what we're saying? I get exposed every day to website and copy and, and marketing that are just sound so fake. Everyone has a bullshit detector that is very well in tune nowadays. And so ask them and you'll be very surprised. This is the way to convince your boss, to convince the board, to convince people internally to fucking go for that. Get unbiased feedback and you'll see what people actually say and you'll see that it's that you're being perceived mostly as someone who's not necessarily telling the truth. Another question I love to ask is what cliches do you hate the most inside our category, right? Whatever you're selling about the way we talk, about our marketing, about messaging, and they'll come up with a list of things that traditionally companies in your space do. This is your opportunity to play inside that category and do the opposite. Step three then is once you realize you've challenged your belief, once you're asking customers, just stay on truth and challenge it. Jonathan Salem Baskin calls that the litmus test of accuracy. And I think it's a very nice way to put it. Apply a litmus test of accuracy and truthfulness 
to the th stuff you do. And so that's a my that could be a subtle change, right? You're tasked with editing copy for an ad or you're tasked with creating social posts. Challenge yourself to take a step back from the hyperbole. Challenge yourself to, to take a step back from not just putting out something that is on brand, but is on truth. And trying to find other subtle ways you can improve the quality of what you're already doing, or at least avoid making things worse. And, and that's something you could start doing without any approval. It's just simply could be how you edit and how you think about the content you create. And then step four, admit your flaws. As long as you're not incompetent, like I was a few years ago, where I basically shared that I wasn't even able to market my own agency and losing a lot of money in the process by being transparent. As long as your negatives shed light on the positive, you must try it in some way, shape or form. Uh, Young Mi Moon, who's the author of the very good book Different, says that when you rave about the positive, you will rationalize the negative, meaning customers will understand that your negatives The, the things that are not uh, your flaws, the things that are not perfect for you implies that something else is, implies a positive in somewhere in another aspect. Eliminate the fluff to shed some new lights on what you want to shed light on. Do what Guinness did or what CXL did by shedding light on the positive. And then finally, the world is your playground, the category is your playground. Play inside that category that you are in. When everyone else is bragging, This is your opportunity to go all in on the other way. This is your opportunity for radical transparency, radical truth. What can you say that others are too afraid to? Lean on what customers are telling you, what people in your market are telling you. Lean on what they fucking hate. The cliches do the fucking opposite. Go for it, take some risk, test it. Let's summarize this radical transparency episode. First, everyone wants to be liked. Everyone wants to be seen as perfect. We are too afraid to take risks. We think we have a lot to lose. In fact, we think we have too much to lose by going against the grain and telling the truth. But studies all point to the same thing. Admit your flaws. People are not stupid. If big brands like Volkswagen, Guinness have tried it with success, and if tech companies and creators and entrepreneurs are doing it with success, There is a reason for it. It's called the Pratfall effect, and it's a scientific backed effect and studies that are proving that this is the way uh, people trust each other. Show your imperfection. And then finally, challenge your beliefs, stay on truth, lean on your customer's point of view and opinion, admit your flaws, and play in that fucking category. You have my permission. That's it for another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. I'm pouring my heart and soul into this. Uh, it will mean a lot to me if you check out the newsletter that goes with this podcast at everyonehatesmarketers.com. I send this newsletter every Tuesday. It's packed with very practical, step-by-step, -step, actionable ways for you to radically stand out. And when you sign up, you also get access to a free eight-lesson course on the same topic. All right, see you on the other side. And that's it for another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at EveryoneHatesMarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply 
Juma said your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.